Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. All right. We're in the book of Exodus today. The book of Exodus. So Wednesday nights, we are doing the Bible recap. Um, Still loving it. I'm loving it. I've even kind of picked up a new habit. Uh, So we've talked a lot about the different names of God. And I'm starting to, as I'm reading through, um, the places where it is the personal name, Yahweh, I am highlighting it in a a purple color just to kind of remind me, you know, of, of what I'm reading and what I am seeing. But we are in Exodus chapter 2 today, verse 23. Years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery and they cried out for help and their cries rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. Lord, this is your word today, and I pray it's your message that comes through to every person here, and I pray that hearts are changed, lives are changed because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So one thing we're learning as we read through the Bible recap together is we are connecting the dots of God's stories. Like, no longer are we really thinking about it as just individual stories of the Bible, right? We are learning that everything connects together in God's story. And so we read today, God heard the cries of the Israelites. They, they are slaves and, and hard labor there in Egypt. And it says he remembered the covenant that he had with his people and he acted. Now, this does not mean God forgot, by the way. It's easy sometimes to to read that little verse together and think, well, did he just forget the people? No, he did not forget them. It means that he was acknowledging that this is the time for him to fulfill the promise that was made. Genesis 15 and 5, back in the story of Abraham, the Lord took Abraham outside and, and he said, look up into the sky. He said, look up and count the stars if you can. He said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Wednesday night when I got home from church, it was one of those beautiful clear sky nights. And I just stopped in amazement looking at the stars. Because out there where we are, you don't have all the light pollution and we see it all. And I remember though, I just stood there though, because I just heard God's word in my mind. Look up, Abraham. Count them. And I was like, dude, that must have been really overwhelming because there's no way to count all those stars. And to think that was the number of descendants God was promising him. So many that you can't count. On over in Genesis 15, we also saw in verse 13, said the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you'll die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. And after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. 
For the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. So in today's message that I read over in Exodus, we see that oppression of the Israelites that God had told Abraham about. That his descendants would be enslaved for 400 years. And in that verse 16, when he said, not yet, he said, the Amorites, it's not time yet for their sins to be dealt with. But today in Exodus 2, we see God say, it's time. It's time to act. And so I don't want you to think that God ever forgot his people. And so today what we're looking at is the story of Moses. Chapter 3 of Exodus, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Median, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. Now, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, this is one of those moments that I had a social media kind of uh, thought where you see Moses by this burning bush that's not burning up. Yep, that's me. I guess you're wondering how I got here, right? And we see, when you look at the end of Genesis, so we finished this past week the the book of Genesis, and at the end of Genesis is the story of Joseph, Jacob's son, that they sell into slavery, right, to Egypt. And long story short, he winds up bringing Jacob and all the brothers up into Egypt because there's a famine in the land. And and the Pharaoh is, is very favorable towards Joseph since he's second in command. He gives them this piece of land in Goshen, And that's where they are. Now, the amazing thing that we saw this week, 70 people moved to Egypt. 70 people. And now when we are here at this point where God is like, okay, I want my people to go, there's probably a million plus people. So so God has finally, because I'm, I'm wondering if Jacob, you know, we talked about this Wednesday night. Did Jacob have that thought of, where's all this big descendant stuff we're supposed to have, right? It just hadn't happened yet. But today what we see, there's a new Pharaoh. And he isn't so kind to the Israelites. He's put them under harsh labor. They're making bricks and other things. And he he is so afraid, though, of the number of the Israelites. He begins to have these what-ifs. What if they ever rebel? There's more of them than there are of us. And so to, to kind of make himself feel better, he passes this law of the land that all the male babies of the, the Hebrews are to be killed when they're born. And then we also read that even under all this harshness, the Hebrews continued to thrive and flourish. Moses' mother saves him. We know the story of her putting him in the basket, sending him down the Nile with all them crocodiles and hippos. 
but thankfully knew that Pharaoh's daughter was going to be there. And so Moses' sister actually helps kind of push the plan where Pharaoh's daughter finds this cute little baby. I mean, Noah, come on, he's so cute. I mean, those smiles. I hope Thomas got at least one of those smiles, even if it was gas. I'm, I'm good with that. I'll take a smile out of a baby anyway and get it. And so puts this cute little baby in this basket. Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and his sister says, hey... I know a woman that can help you with that baby. And so Moses' mother winds up raising him until he's weaned. So that's how Moses finds himself being raised in Pharaoh's house. He's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Now this is obviously a problem for Moses that maybe we have never just stopped. Like we've talked about the burning bush. Like, this is one of those days I usually would say, oh, yeah, kick off the shoes. I'm on holy ground. I don't have to wear the heels today, right? We've talked about that. We've talked about the baby, and we've talked about how Moses, you know, is, is taken care of. But I want to talk about his identity issues today. Because he had to have a few. You see, Moses is raised as an Egyptian, which is a whole nother culture from what the Hebrews would have had. Like... Bald head, the dress, the many gods they would have served. But yet, he knew he was of Hebrew descent, obviously. Because later on, in chapter 2, it says when he, when he grew up, he actually went down to Goshen to visit his people. So he knew he was of Hebrew descent. Right there, raised as an Egyptian, but I'm in Hebrew you have some identity issues. Now, he, he goes down, he wants to visit his people, and, you know, as an as a older person, getting older now, he's starting to say, who am I probably, right? Like, we know stories like this. When someone gets adopted, they love the adopted parents, but they can't help but wonder, who am I? Where did I come from? So he goes down there, and while he's down there, he notices this Egyptian supervisor, we'll call him, over here, like, beating the tarnation out of one of the Hebrews for not working well. And so I hope you see in Moses' character, he's a natural protector, by the way. So he steps in, he winds up murdering this Egyptian to save the Hebrew slave, and then he hides the body because he realizes, oh, I just messed up. And then a few days later, he sees Hebrews fighting one another. He's like, whoa, 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 your brothers, what are you doing? And they was like, who are you to judge? You killed the Egyptian. Oh, people know my stuff. And then Pharaoh finds out. So now Pharaoh wants to kill him. So Moses has to flee. He has to run. He has to hide. Okay. And he ends up in Midian, and that's where he sees some girls at the well getting some water for their father's flock, and these other shepherds are harassing them, so he steps in, he protects them. Here we go again. He's a protector. He really has the heart of protection. And so then the, the father, Raul, or Jethro is, is what he's called later, thanks him by offering up one of his daughters to marry. So he marries Zipporah, and then he, he has a son named Gershom. And see, Cody and Leslie, names do matter. Names do matter. I didn't, I didn't take that much care, but later when I found out what my kids were named, God is good because it fit them. 
I think we all should go down that rabbit hole of finding what our names mean. But Gershom means, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. Now let's be honest. Moses has no idea at this point who he is. Was he a foreigner in Egypt? Yeah. Because he was a Hebrew living as an Egyptian in Pharaoh's house. Was he a foreigner when he got to Midian? Yeah. Because when he first approached them at the well, do you know what they called him? An Egyptian. And so he doesn't know who he is. And now he's standing at a burning bush with a God talking to him, telling him to take his sandals off. It's holy ground. And he doesn't even know who this God is really, right? Remember, he's been raised in Pharaoh's house. When I, when I looked up Egyptians, there was thousands of gods. Basically, every animal, every plant, everything had a god. But then they could narrow it down to nine or ten that were sort of the big basic gods, right? Even Pharaoh himself would be considered a god. So I'm thinking Moses didn't really understand yet exactly who he's talking to. Now, verse 6, God makes it very clear to him, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the Hebrew God. Now, God gives Moses these instructions of what's happening. Short version of hearing the Israelites. Uh, God says, I've heard the Israelites cry out. I'm answering that cry. I'm going to send you. We're going to release my people now. You're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to tell him, let the people go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, all you old teachers in here, y'all saying that in children's church, right? Let my people go. Whoa, that's one of them songs you you hit fast forward in the car when that one comes on too much, right? (laughs) So he tells him, here's the plan, Moses. I want you to go let my people go and lead them. Now, verse 10 um, of chapter 3 says this. this This is God talking to Moses. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. And you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Very direct, very clear, very precise. Teachers, don't you love when you give those very clear instructions to your students? And there's always that one, though, that you're like, how many languages can I translate it into to make it any more clear? I don't know. And Moses, though, he's not so sure about this. He begins to protest. I love this because he's like, what? Who? Who, me? You, you want me to go, right? And so he begins to, to protest. Verse 11 of chapter 3. Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Very easy. Who am I? He's like, I'm a murderer on the run. Like, I can't go back to Pharaoh, right? Like, he, he's, he's after me. Who am I, Lord? I'm, I'm just out here tending the sheep. Like, I'm just trying to do what daddy-in-law wants me to do. I'm staying in good graces, keeping the family all good. Who am I? And God answers very easily. Verse 12. God answered, 
I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who has sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God at this very mountain. God says, I'll be with you. Don't worry. It's not about who you are. God says it's about who I am. And I'm going with you. Wow, that would be a a boost. But then Moses had to protest again, verse 13. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, what is his name? Then what do I tell him? You see, Moses didn't know who God was. In his brain, I have to believe that this is just another God. So he says, okay, so I go and I tell him, hey, the God of our people sent, but who are you, God? Like, what is, what is your name? Because see, all those Egyptian gods, they have a name for all of them. And then God answers, verse 14, he replied to Moses, I am who I am. Some translations say, I will be who I will be. This is, this is God, by the way, telling Moses his personal name. Now, we've talked about this. We've talked about Yahweh, right? Yehovah. But in those instances, that is the third person form of God's personal name. This is God speaking in the first I form. This is the first time we've seen God give his name in a personal I form. Church, how many of us would just love to have a personal conversation like this with God? I mean, let's be truthful. Like where we we heard his voice, like it, it couldn't get any clearer. That's what we all want, right? A clear conversation with God. And I mean, surely that makes it easier to follow him, right? He says, hey, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And then God also said to Moses, because he thought about the grammatical error of him going up, going, hey, I am sent you here. And that didn't sound right. He said, so here's what I need you to do. You're going to go tell the people, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has sent me to you. Well, that seems pretty easy. And he he begins to to lay out a little bit of the plan. He begins to talk about these miraculous things that he's going to do. He even goes as far as saying, hey, don't worry about it. Because when y'all leave there, like the Egyptians are going to bless you like you ain't never seen. You're leaving with all the gold and silver. Like it sounds like, okay, God, you got the plan. Sign me up. I'll do it. Isn't that what we ask God all the time? God, if you just give me a little bit... Give me a little bit of information here. What are we doing? How how are we going to do it, Lord? He did. He gave it to him. And then Exodus 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. So protest number three. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? I mean, that seems reasonable. We all have a a fear of people rejecting us, right? Rejecting the message. And so that's what what Moses says. He says, what if they don't believe me, Lord? I mean, like, okay, like, even if I'm buying into this with you and I go tell them what you've told me, what if they look at me like I'm crazy and say, there ain't no way God spoke to you? 
Like, we know who you are. Remember, you killed that Egyptian. Ain't no way God spoke to you. And then God answers again. (laughs) And he says, okay, what's in your hand? Well, my shepherd's staff. I was tending sheep, but that's all I got with me. Throw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. And BJ's like, I'm out. Peace out. (laughs) I texted Mandy the other day when we was going through all this. I was like, I'm out with the snake. And I was like, I know you out when we get to the frogs. Yep. I'm just like, oh, Lord, please. I I don't ever want to. If anything, I'm learning how to read Moses' story. I'm not asking for any proof. I'm just not asking for it. No signs. No, mm mm-mm. Because I don't think I'd be picking. I can't. Mm. It, it, see, my, my knuckles are getting white just thinking about the snake, okay? But basically, God says, listen, I'm with you, and I'm going to use what you have. A staff. Okay. Okay. Again, God's answering the questions. But then, verse 10, Moses protests again. And he basically says, I'm not very good with words. I, I kind of wondered, do you think this was maybe Moses' biggest concern? You, you know how when you're talking to people and we start giving excuses, we usually go through what we think are the big list and then we get it whittled down to what's really bothering us. <laughs> and Moses says, I'm not really good with words. I, I, don't, I don't think I could do this. And then God answers him in verse 11. Hey, who put that tongue in your mouth, by the way? Who created you the way you are? You see, I kind of get the feeling this one might have just offended God a little bit. Of like, God, I I don't think you know my inabilities. God said, I created you, son. I know your inabilities. And I'm still going to be with you. And I'm still going to work through you. In the end, we know how the story goes. Aaron goes with him. What I want to know, does any of this sound familiar? (laughs) I heard that. Who am I? I'm not important enough. Who are you? I don't even know you, Lord. What if they don't believe me? What What if people won't listen to me? What about my inabilities? I can't overcome these things. And I love in verse 12 of 4 what God said. Now go. I will be with you as you speak. And I will instruct you in what to say. He gives this guarantee. And even after they bring Aaron on board to go and kind of be the secondhand help for Moses... Basically, Moses hears from God. He passes it on there and those kind of things. He says, I'm going to be with both of you, by the way. I'm going to be with both of you. So church, this is what I want to leave you with today. What's your excuses? Who am I, Lord? I'm, I'm new at this. Like, honestly, let's be honest. Maybe I just come to church occasionally. I don't really dive deep into anything. Why, why, why would you ask me to do this? Who am I? God, who are you even? Like, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know enough to tell people about Jesus. 
I don't, I don't know enough to, to teach a class. Lord, I just figured out where Genesis and Revelation are in this book. Right? God, who would listen to me? Like, they know me. They know all of my shortcomings. Who's going to listen to me? I'm just an average Joe. So what if they don't believe me? And finally, Lord, I have so many things that are hard and inability. And, and I, don't, I don't think I'd be good at that. It's just an automatic discredit for what you're asking me to do. But church, listen to me. When God calls you, he goes with you. Do you understand? It's not your skill level. It's not your ability on anything. I know that you, you see me up here speak week after week and go, wow, you know, it just comes natural. No, it didn't always. Like in speech class in college, I really wanted to throw up before every speech I had to give. <laughs> I just needed to get a passing grade to get through there. I mean, I was better at writing a story on paper, but not speaking it. There are so many instances where I see what God was doing in my life to get me here, but all the way through, it's like, ah, no. Like the first time I remember I had to stand in front of district assembly, I was thankful for that little podium because if I'd have held the paper, you know, there's nothing to do in this. Because I was just so scared. And I was standing in front of the church body that loves you like nobody else does, right? But the thing that I know, that I know, that I know, listen to me, if God asks you to do something, he goes with you. If he asks you to teach a Sunday school class, he's in there with you. Or you take your husband like Pat did to be the Aaron of the bunch to help you get through it. If, if he asks you to go next door to your neighbor and, and share the gospel with them, he goes with you. I've had conversations where people where I didn't know what I would say. And God supplies those words. Even to the point afterwards, I'd be like, where did that come from? Right? God goes with you. And, and if you're sitting there thinking, well, there was this time, BJ, that I did this and like, I don't think God was there. Yeah, you may have jumped ahead of him. I've had that happen too. <laughs> because we, we hear God's plan, but we didn't hear the not yet. We didn't wait on the, okay, now is time, right? Those are voices we have to listen to. Church. Everybody in this room has been commissioned to go make Christ-like disciples in all the nations. That's not just my job. That's every believer. And I bet every one of you, you have a neighbor or you have a coworker, you have sometimes it's just that person we run into in Walmart that just needs to know God loves you. Or maybe it's somebody that has a similar story that you have. Share your testimony. Share with them how you made it through holding God's hand the whole way. Hmm. And God will be with you. We all have excuses. But you know what? In the end, Moses went. 
He followed God's command and he released a whole people. Over a million. Now maybe you're not going to lead a million people to Christ. (laughs) But if it's one, it's worth it. Yes, it is. What a smile. Pray with me this morning, church. Lord, we come. Open hearts, open hands. And God, sometimes we are filled with what we can't do. That's all we hear in our heads. (laughs) I, I can't step out of comfort zone. I can't look different. I can't speak those words. But God, I pray for your people today that says... You can, Lord. (laughs) We're just broken vessels to let you shine through. And Father, every person in here, I want you to put a face and a name in their minds right now. That's who you're asking them to speak to. That's who you're asking them to help lead out of the bondage they're living in. To find life. To find wholeness. Father, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful things I see your spirit moving in this room. I thank you for the wonderful testimonies that are even still yet to come. And Father, I just pray for every person here today. If they have been blessed with your spirit today, let them go and be a blessing to others. Because that's what you call us to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us when we protest against you. Thank you for loving us when we feel less than. Thank you for loving us even in the mess and chaos we create. You're still willing to use us, forgive us, redeem us, and restore us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Church family, go have a beautiful day. And ladies, I hope to see you at two. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.